Last week, we talked about a couple of principles that I'm going to review, starting with that faith is not a download of information and correct beliefs that we can be certain about. God desires our trust more than our correct beliefs. Doubt is the enemy of faith only when you equate faith with certainty. And finally, religion reduces God to the pettiness of a God who makes wonderful promises to daughters, but then makes those promises contingent upon having correct beliefs, without doubt and obeying him. Otherwise, he will not give you what he's promised. And I offered you this quote from Peter Enns, who wrote a book called The Sin of Certainty. Quote, we are not children of a reluctant God, neither are we the children of a heavenly father who issues divine recipes like a chef in a kitchen who tells his students, follow this exactly and do it exactly like the recipe and you will get these results the same way every time. Isn't that interesting how we've made the Bible all about that? Maybe you haven't. Maybe that hasn't been your Christian experience or experience growing up, but it certainly was mine and in the circles that I ran. So our foundation for this morning is this. Let's spend a few minutes with the best known and most widely used passage on the subject of praying in faith without any doubting. And we're going to answer specifically this question. Is faith the absence of doubt? Is faith, say it with me, is faith the absence of doubt? All right. If you have a device or your Bible, leather Bible, whatever Bible that you're using, you can join me in James chapter 1. We'll also have this passage on the screen. Now, I've marked certain words for emphasis here. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, mark it, when troubles, say it, troubles, come on, follow me, troubles, say it out loud, troubles, of any kind come your way, do what? Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Well, now that goes against how we live our lives most days, doesn't it? For you know that when your faith is tested, here we go, troubles test, test troubles, lots of troubles, lots of tests, happens all the time. Our attitude should be one of, wow, what an opportunity. <laughs> I'm going to consider this joy. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, underscore it, mark it in red, highlight it, do whatever you need to do. It is the context. It is the subject of this text. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. The common translation of that is, 
he'll give it to you without finding any fault. But when you ask him, watch, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Honey, would you please quick look up James chapter 1, these verses, just in a common translation. New King James, or whoever gets to it first and hand me your phone. I want you to have a reference point for what I'm highlighting and trying to draw a contrast. Say contrast. You know what a contrast is, right? Contrast is like between the color of this paper and the color of my laptop, light, dark. So uh, you're wearing contrasty clothes if you have on a bright color and then a, a subdued color down, say, in your pants or the reverse of that. That's a contrast. Well, I want to draw a contrast between the scripture passage as commonly read and interpreted from most common translations and what I just read you and the points that I'm going to make here. This is from the New International Version, all right? Uh Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Notice, it's not the word used here uh, that the endurance, that the testing of faith, excuse me, just a second, get this back where it needs to be. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. It is very commonly translated because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Okay? Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Thank you, honey. So this test of faith, what is it? This passage is not speaking of faith as the as we generally know it or use it, as the exercise of believing God really, really hard. It's not about that. It's about trust built on a relationship. And trust built on a relationship, not magic, not the magic of believing correctly or hard enough so that God will respond to you. This passage is using the word faith in most translations. It's the word endurance used here. It's using it in the sense of a trusting relationship with God, not the kind of faith we often hear about, that magic of believing really, really hard so that God has to do it. So James isn't talking about praying for needs. 
Rather, he's talking about getting clarity of direction. I told you that the subject, right? Underline it, highlight it, do whatever you need to do. Remember in our text, it says, if, verse 5, start at verse 5, if you need wisdom, why would you need wisdom? Because you're going through a test. Why do you need to ask for wisdom? Because you're going through a trial. The context of his comments here don't have to do with really believing God hard in prayer so he'll give it to you. It has to do with getting clarity and direction and wisdom about the next steps to take when you are being overwhelmed with trial. Can you see that? This kind of wisdom is insight on how to proceed, which even Paul admits in Romans chapter 8, we often are uncertain about that. So the context is trial and test. James is speaking of trials and the testing of your faith, which he calls endurance. The ability, one, one translation says, the ability to stand up under. And keep in mind that also when James wrote this, the context of this and what was widely believed by the apostles in the early church was that they were at the end of the age. The end of the age was coming. And so they were experiencing lots of suffering and trial and temptation and so forth to leave their faith, to leave their trust in God, to jettison trust and hope in God, to give up on Messiah to turn around and go the other way from this new faith that they had found. And in the context of suffering, the time is near, James said. And he's using a tone of warning. Don't give up on your faith. Ask God for wisdom so that you can stay in the fight. Pull yourself together, man. That's what he was saying. Now, the Greek word for doubt used here doesn't mean the absence of certainty as commonly taught. Absence as in intellectually struggling, questioning brought on by life experience, bouts with depression, personal tragedy, you know, that kind of questioning. Doubt doesn't mean the absence of that. It's the Greek word di diacrino, diacrino. It means divided loyalty, which the translation I read to you from properly picked that up. Divided loyalty, which means that you're double-minded. You're a double-minded individual. The NET translation says a double-minded man is one whose devotion to God is less than total. His attention is divided between God and other things. And as a consequence, he's unstable and therefore unable to receive from God. You see, that's the purpose of tests. That's the purpose of trials, to get you divided in your attention to God, to get you off of your faith, but not faith as in believing really hard for an answer to prayer. Trust is the word we should use. Trust, endurance, staying with it. So ask for wisdom when you're going through tests. Why? So that you can stick with it and not give up. 
not turn your back on trusting the Lord. The Lord's there. He's with you. He's going to come through this battle. He's going to carry you through the other side. Don't give up. The issue that James raises isn't really, really believing what the Bible says or not. James is challenging us to trust God wholeheartedly in the midst of overwhelming life circumstances. And he says, that will cause endurance to grow. That's what builds character. Prayer's not a formula. It's a relationship. Believing and quoting scripture is not a cake mix. You pop into the oven of certitude with absolute outcomes. Scripture reveals God's narrative for our lives through wrestling with uncertainty, navigating dark nights of loneliness, agonizing over inconsistencies in our experiences, and continually testing ourselves with hard questions. Professor Treadwell said this, church people hate question marks. <laughs> Isn't that true? Don't you hate a question mark? We want everything to be absolute. We want the promises of God to be absolute. If I pray, I want to know I'm going to get it. And if I don't get it, I want to know why. And then I want to go correct my behavior. I want to stop sinning. I want to get closer to the Lord. I want to go to church more. Oh, boy. People get tired of that. And that's why so many... Christians leave their faith because it's not faith. It's not a relationship built on trust. It's a formula. Very good. So what? What now? I've told you so what. What now? Uncertainty? Test? trial, contrary circumstances to your faith, James says, are all an opportunity to trust. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. And you better watch me, cameraman, because I'm liable to get out of the seat while I'm preaching. I'm telling you, you can't be looking around. Well, yeah, whatever it is. God doesn't recognize male or female. They're just... They're an it back there, right? Functioning. No, I'm just kidding. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Listen. Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with what? All your heart. You can't have a divided loyalty. And do not rely on your own insight. That would be a divided loyalty. Or your own understanding. That would be a divided loyalty. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him. And he will make your path straight. Rachel Held Evans said, and I quote, when you grow up believing that your religious worldview contains the key to absolute truth and provides an answer to every question, you never really get over the disappointment of learning that it doesn't. It's a lonely, frightening journey, and most of us are limping along as best we can. I learned something about aspen trees this week. 
You know that grow, they grow aspen trees. You might have one in your yard. They grow in groves up in our mountains here. That grove of slender white trunked aspens can grow from a single seed and share the same root system. You can see a whole grove of aspens and they grew from one seed and they all have the same root system underneath. These root systems can exist, watch this, can exist for thousands of years, whether or not they produce any trees. They sleep underground waiting for a fire, a flood, or an avalanche to clear a space for them in the shady forest. After a natural disaster has cleared the land, aspen roots can sense the sun at last, and the roots send up saplings which become trees. For aspens, new growth is made possible by the devastation of a natural disaster. James writes that, that our growth in faith is also made possible by difficulties. And that's the context that he's talking about. He's not talking about having this, this apostolic scriptural faith of believing really accurately, hard. I've got the right scriptures. I've held on to the right promise. I've said it the right way. I've confessed it enough times. And if you do that, then you're going to get, if you don't do that, you're double-minded. You're not going to get anything from, I used to preach that. I know what I'm talking about. I preached it with the best of those who have preached it and still preach it. And I'm ashamed today to admit to you, man, I preached it wrong. I preached it out of context. Trusting God in adversity and uncertainty is an opportunity for your roots to grow deeper in A, who Jesus is, and B, who you've become in him. Your present trials and tests are clearing the way for your future. Oh, that ought to be a slide. Oh, wait, I think it's a slide. Your present trials and tests are clearing the way for your future. What future? For God's plan to be revealed to you. For new doors of opportunity for who you were created to be. To become clear. To make provision available in a way that you couldn't have scripted, including for other people. Provision for other people through your life. Nina and I are walking that out right now as we are the recipient of overwhelming trials that somewhat kicked off four years ago when we had moved in and remodeled a shopping center space, 16,000 square feet. It was gorgeous. New chairs, every wall painted, new carpeting, multi tens of thousands of dollars sound system. Woo-hoo! It was glorious. Long story short, yeah, as the sound guy is saying back there, wah, 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 we lost it all. And then COVID hits. I mean, we cried. We wondered whether or not we'd ever be back in ministry. And then St. John's happened. God brought us into relationship with a little Lutheran church over off Colorado Boulevard, six 
blocks away. I didn't even know it existed. And three years have gone by. My wife's employed here. She's a pastor's administrative assistant. We, we hold church here, co-locate. We share services together at special times of the year. <laughs> Pastor Wes and his wife we become just dear, dear friends with. We share our lives. We share meals. I, I, I can't go on because I'm out of time, but I'm telling you, what was our worst trial that liked to killed us, just took us out completely, became the script. The land was swept. The avalanche came and laid it bare. And those sapling roots started to smell the sunshine. They started to sense God in the test and the trial. And through this and a couple of avenues that have grown out of this relationship, I can't tell you how many people are now being blessed and helped and ministered to through this church in ways that years of ministry under that old thing never happened. Oh, I need to, I need to stop. What'd you hear? We're going to bring a mic around. Our deaconess is going to help us. Yes. Pammy. And you can leave both mics on. We don't need to turn them off. Just let's have them both on. If you have a question, if you have a comment, if you have a feeling, we're going to be watching here in the uh, moderating the chat as well as you can text your response now. Whatever you're feeling or thinking, 720 878-3323. Go ahead. Nina is monitoring that number right now. If you'd like to say something here in the congregation, go ahead. And I'll, I'll let you address Ralph's. I think you've been following them. Or sure. No? Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, I just love that Prayer is not a formula, and, 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 and it's a relationship. But the whole idea of you've got to do it this way. I mean, you remember we were taught one time about um, the prayer of petition out of Philippians chapter 4. And, uh, and it was very specific how to write a petition. And, uh, you know, that was very exciting at the time because we had um, uh, something that was going to work that we didn't know before. You know, well, that's just not it. It's not a formula. I love that. I love that it's not a matter of if I do this, then God will. Boy, we lived for that, though. Yeah. We lived to it get. May, yeah. We just well, wanted, we wanted a couple to do of, it right. Yeah, we, we good, wanted to know. be sure we had a couple of formulas that would work in each, like finances yeah. and marriage and yeah. the church growth. Yeah. Boy, and then we. And I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, quoting scripture. I don't think there's anything wrong with declaring the word of God. That's, that's not it. But it's not a formula. And prayer is actually, you know, it's about relationship. And as we have that relationship and ask for wisdom, those things begin to rise up naturally. Faith arises. Uh, what, I don't know. I don't, I'm not explaining this well. But I just love that whole comment that uh, 
prayer is not a formula. It's not a you have to do it this way kind of thing. So Ralph mentions, I'll go ahead and bring up, he, he did some exeget, exegesis on this uh, Greek word. And he says, Dacarino would mean to separate things by discriminating them into the categories of good and evil. So we could say, he says, that people that live from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, remember Adam and Eve partaking of the tree in the garden, that tree was called what? The, the tree of? The knowledge of what? Evil, right? No. Oh, the knowledge of what? Help me. Good and evil. See, God never meant for us to suck on the fruit of discriminating between good and evil. Thank you, Ralph. And, and that's what makes us, he says, unstable like a wave of the sea getting tossed around. Because we're always saying, well, that's good. Oh, no, that's evil. She, she's okay. No, she's bad. She's bad. What they do is evil. This is okay. This is good. And oh my goodness, especially in our, our culture today with the political and all that's going on. I was reading last night several articles about what's going on right now and the turmoil and so forth. It's crazy. It's impossible not to be rocked and rolling with all the opinions and all the back and forth of evil from good, evil from good. God, we don't have to live there. Who's next? Next question? Next comment? Now, I, I have a few questions prepared. Okay, and I have one here. Okay. She says she's not sure how this applies now, but maybe if God doesn't answer your prayer right away, maybe he doesn't feel it's time. Does that apply here? And and what do we think of that? I think, that's a, I think that's a wonderful subject to bring into a teaching on prayer, but this isn't about that kind of prayer. This is about trials and tests and getting wisdom about how to respond to the trial and the test. So that would be my quick answer. Now it'd be off subject for me to go into, is that an appropriate way to pray or is that is that a grace we need to understand when we don't get an answer right away? Well, this just isn't talking about that. That would be out of context from what we're talking about. I know it's hard. It's hard because what we do, we read James 1 with a lens on, and we think it's talking about receiving answers to general prayer, and it's not. I can't hear you, so you'll have to type it or say it over a microphone. No, you can't shout it because it's not just about me hearing. It has to go on the live stream. You know that. Okay. But wouldn't that be the definition of a question mark? What? Specifically? The unanswered prayer. The unanswered and prayer. And why it didn't happen. Uh-huh. We have to have a reason why. So are you saying then, do we have to have an answer to every question mark? Are you saying that? It or are you nice. asking, what do we do when there is a question mark? Okay. So you're answering the comment. 
So the comment again was, the mic. Wouldn't that be the definition of the what you mentioned about the question mark? And I want to reiterate. So the comment was, if God doesn't answer your prayer right away, maybe he doesn't feel it's time. Is that true? And what Jeff is saying is, aren't we trying to get an answer? We're trying to make, we're trying to say, oh, here's the reason, because we don't want any question marks left over. We want a reason why God isn't, why we haven't heard what we need to hear. And I think the point is, is that we don't always need a reason. We just need a relationship. Answers to every question don't drive intimacy. Hey, guys, any guy who's married, any guy who is married, do you understand everything about the woman you're married to? Are all the questions answered? Now, I could do that in reverse, but I'm having a little fun because normally it is that guys don't have any clue what women mean by the things that they do say and so forth. Okay, so I'm having a little fun and I'm generalizing, but I'm just asking. And yet, can you be intimate? Can you love? Can you stay committed? Can you wholeheartedly trust in that relationship even though uh, there are question marks? Yes is the answer that you know what, that's a rhetorical question, right? You know what a rhetorical question is, a question that only has one right answer. And it's an obvious answer, right? Okay, so Barb says, yes, I'm seeing that prayer is a relationship because sometimes God starts the conversation. And when I recognize him or the fact that he's talking to me, I think she's saying, then my words start. After I hear from him, then I'm relating back. I'm interpreting what you say here, Barb. Uh, does that make sense? So sometimes God starts the conversation, and when I recognize him, the words from me start. So there's a relationship there. I've got another comment here. Hmm. I'm not sure what that all means, Jeff, but why are you asking for the impossible? <laughs> Ooh, now, now see, Jeff wants to go somewhere th that I was not going. Just plead the fifth. Yeah, yeah, we're no, we're not. Jeff's trying to pull my string here and get me in trouble. All right, so I have a couple of questions, Jeff. If you would, the first question, would you display that? Will God still answer my prayers if I doubt parts of what the Bible says? I know you're not supposed to ask questions that way because that's a simple yes or no, right? It can be answered that way. All right. Well, so let's play the game. What do you say? No? Yes. 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 Do you have to believe all of the Bible? We have a hand raised back here. Can you actually doubt parts of the Bible and still get your prayers answered? You answered that last week when you said it was all right to question God. Thank you, Jeff. And that means that everybody who hasn't yet needs to watch part one from last Sunday. 
doesn't it? Thank you, Jeff. Aren't you smart? Yes, your check is in the mail. Well then, Jeff, since you're so smart, go to question two. God desires our blank more than our correct beliefs. I'm looking for a word here. Faith. Is that what we taught in the lesson? Trust. Trust. Yes, baby. Yes. God does. Yes. People are listening. God desires. Third question, Jeff. God desires our trust. Yes. What kind of faith is James speaking of when he states, when your faith is tested? When he makes that comment, what kind of faith? I spent quite a few minutes on that here this morning. What kind of faith is he? <laughs> Nina says, let's go back to the notes. The strong faith. A strong faith. Okay. Anybody else? All right, I, let me see if there's anything in the chat. <laughs> Ralph is being, trying to be cute here. Yeah, Ralph is he's, being cute. He's, he's driving the hammer. Thank you so much, Ralph. He will, he's saying God will only answer your prayers when you not only believe but understand every little bit. And then I think it's a snarky face of some sort after that. Right. <laughs> he's kidding, of course. <laughs> So that was the last point. All right. So what kind of faith is James talking about when he says, when your faith is tested? Keep in mind the word. What's the word? Yeah, that divergence, whatever that was. Yeah. Well, I think it has to do with the kind of faith that you're in your relationship, you're trusted, trusting God, that you're in relationship with God, that your belief is in God and not the world. If I had to put it in a word, it would be trust again, which is why I'm driving this home. But yes, a trusting relationship that when you get in the middle of trials, you're not going to lean to your own understanding. You're going to acknowledge him in all of your ways. All right. So this isn't about correct believing. It's about trusting God, even with the question marks. All right. Last question, Jeff, if we could. Then we're going to celebrate communion. Explain how the aspen tree is an example of the tests and trials of uncertainty. Anybody want to take a shot at that? I will. Hold the mic okay. real close. Okay. After the tests and the trials, and they're devastated, then... Hold it real the close, seedlings, hon. The seedlings come up. Yes, the okay, so say it again because I need the mic. Your okay. lips almost kissing after, it. After the tests and trials, the saplings come up. Mm. So tests and trials, to, to, uh, 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 let me ask you something. What is the most common imagery in the world today for a test or a trial that's really extreme? Fire. Yes, 
fire, right? We talk about fiery trials or that was a fiery test or, man, I'd just been laid bare or that test just wiped them out. 